to the Med Street Journal. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Med Street Journal podcast. I'm your host as always, Rodney Hu. Today I'm joined by another very special guest, Dr. Pat Ballone. She is the CEO of Health Team Network, and I'm excited to have her on and give her an opportunity to share what she's doing and just really making sense out of challenging issues and problems that deal with the mind, body, and soul, and finding better, faster, and simpler solutions that get you unstuck and move forward with tangible results. So with that being said, Dr. Pat, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, who doesn't want that, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> and thanks so much for having me here. I really, I'm going to enjoy this. I'm sure we're going to have a good time. Awesome, awesome. So yeah, let's just jump into it. Why don't you give people a brief background for those don't, for those who don't know you on kind of how you got into healthcare and kind of what you're doing in this space? Well, you know, I had a lot of influences. Like nobody in my family was in healthcare. So, and my father wanted me to be an electrical engineer, and it just didn't seem like the pathway for me to go. And I always liked science courses and I liked helping people and I played doctor and I never, ever played the patient and I never died. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, when I was growing up, that was a, that was a good lead in and, you know, and science courses were actually really quite easy for me. I, it, it didn't, they weren't, they didn't feel complex. So I had an opportunity when I was in college and I started considering working on an MBA and I had one more thing to do for my undergraduate course in pre-med, and that was to go uh, do an independent study. And so I did this independent study at the University of Michigan, Michigan Hospital as a patient relations advocate. And I was so appalled by how people never got well. Nobody was happy there except in the maternity ward. And, the, you know, this is before they started making, you know, hospitals like uh, spa type colors. I mean, the walls were like that icky color of green that you never, ever wanted to have, you know, in any of your rooms, let alone your appliances. And, you know, and it was prevalent, you know, throughout. And, you know, and it was also a time, you know, I can remember when I did this project for a grade and, and when I would try to help people in the hospital and I tried to enlist like a doctor's help walking by and he goes, not my job. And he would just keep on walking. And I'm thinking like, Wow, all I'm asking you to do is put up the side railing on the side so you don't have a huge liability case when this woman falls out of the bed and breaks her hip. You know, and so he just said, you know, why don't you do it? Because I go, I don't know how to do it. I'm a patient relations advocate. I don't deal with this all the time. So a friend of mine was going to chiropractic school and he said, you know, you have all the prerequisites for chiropractic, you know, and you know, you should go do that because you have an opportunity to help people without medications. You know, it was, it's like, was the functional medicine of the time and to help people really excel in their health. If, you know, is an easy, you know, fix to adjust somebody and the chiropractic adjustment so that they had better freedom in their body and their bodies had the opportunity to heal themselves. So kind of like how I got there. And then I have other certifications and besides, you know, my doctor of chiropractic, I've got background in sports medicine. I'm an acupuncture physician. I'm certified in functional medicine. I have, you know, I've I have had I've spoke. I have been a lead instructor for women's courses that we have given, you know, when I had my office, I used to give a lot of courses in my office to help people think outside the box, because what we know and that what we've been told that we're supposed to know isn't necessarily the right information that you need to really excel 
you know, and that mind, body, soul type thing. And then Andrew Wild came out with this book that talked specifically to those three areas. And it was the first time Western medicine ever acknowledged that there might be another possibility. Mm. And, you know, so that you're always, you know, challenged with that. So the most important thing that I learned in when I was in school was to be a CSI agent, whether it was in chiropractic school or it was whether from continuing education courses that I had, because they would say like, what you got isn't necessarily what you got. That was a quote unquote from Dr. Victor Frank. And he would say, you got to look beyond that. You've got to like be investigative. You got to like, well, why, why does that person have those symptoms? Cause symptoms aren't a disease, you know? So you have to go back and say like, well, where did that come from? And you have to, sometimes what you think you have going on isn't necessarily where that's coming from. And that's why I ended up writing my book, Why Are You Sick, Fat and Tired? Because it tells you where to focus your time, energy, and your money on. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I see the book right behind you as your yeah. virtual background. So let's jump into that real quick. Why are you sick, fat, and tired? What kind of inspired that and kind of what sort of knowledge can people uncover from consuming this sort of content? Well, on the cover, which is kind of looks like it's backwards to me here, it says, why? Because people are always going like, why did this happen to me? Why? You know, and just, are you sick, fat, and tired? People know if they're tired, you know, and when you get exhausted, one of the accidents that people have is falling asleep at the wheel while they're driving. It's not texting, you know, so, but when they get tired and people don't, they push through it and going like, oh, I'll sleep when I get home or I can make up on the sleep. You can't do that. So you know, being tired can create illness over a long period of time. Being fat, you know, being overweight is a epidemic in and of itself. And it also is hugely inflammatory. So when you have a lot of inflammation in your body, other chronic conditions and comorbidities that they talk so much about during COVID, you know, have a tendency to surge up and where if they've been lurking below the surface, they become more prevalent, especially if you get sick and sick is not like throw up in the toilet. It is more, you know, it's just like looking at like, why, why are, why do I have all that inflammation to begin with? And what's it affecting? Like 40% of the people who have diabetes will end up with Alzheimer's. That's not a, the good odds. I mean, those, those numbers are not good. And one third of the population has some type of chronic illness or disease. And by the year 2030, half the population will have a chronic illness or disease. That's not, you know, we're not, you know, and it's incredibly financially costly. It's trillions of dollars in healthcare that are being spent. When people, if they just find out, you know, and, and do a check mark beforehand, before something becomes a crisis, a lot of people go, I'm fine. I'm not sick. I'm not fat. I'm not tired, you know? And it's like, but you don't know if you're sick. And that stuff takes like, you know, time and to be able to develop. And, you know, I, I just have a friend of mine who, was someplace didn't feel good, went in, has prostate cancer, stage four, <laughs> you know, that metastasized to the spine. He didn't even know it. I mean, so it's just like, you know, there's so many people walking around that are sicker than what they, you know, they're, they feel good, but their body's like going through this process that's not talking to them. So the book, what it does is it gives you, it's a guidebook, it's a workbook, and it's an advocating tool to find out which organ system in your body is off because all your organ systems run like a Swiss watch. And so if one of them's slow, then another one's going to be slow. You know, they're directly proportional in their, in their function. And when you can find out where your weakest link is, you can fortify that weakest link 
And you can look at things that you're doing that are in your environment that are contributing to your bad health ultimately. And you can make changes. I mean, for instance, you have control over everything that goes in your mouth that you eat. You know, if you know that avocados make your intestinal tract bleed, why would you do that? You know, and like you, you just like, well, I really like them. Well, really liking them is going to end you in the grave a lot sooner than what you should be there. Awesome. That's so refreshing, I guess would be a good term to use. Just kind of hearing you talk about just people's mindset, like asking why are they sick, fat and tired? And it really comes down to their foundations, how they feel immensely, emotionally as a person. And you just now mentioned another good thing or interesting thing is that you have control. And I feel like mm-hmm. when people don't have control and it's not because they lack the willpower or their motivation, it's because there's habits that they are performing, whether they're conscious or unconscious about it. And I see the value that you provide is because you're able to peel back the layers on kind of where they want to be in life, where they are now. And you can kind of reverse engineer the process to help them achieve their ideal state mm-hmm. well um in in also in in that spectrum is that so many people don't pay attention to signs and symptoms that they have like when you're 20 years old you know most 20 years old do not have floaters in their eyes unless they have significant eye problems and, and they grew up with them <clears throat> excuse me but you don't have you know, you don't have those types of things. So you don't have digestive problems, you know, so like so prevalent, you know, in an early time when you start having things come up, especially for men, it's around the age of 40, 38, 40. I used to see in my office all the time, you know, and then all of a sudden 42, they're going like, they're getting a little thicker at the waist. They have more stress and that stress makes cortisol not, you know, act correctly in the body. And when that does, it lays down more foundational fat you know, and every fat cell in your body is an endocrine organ and every fat cell in your body contains toxins from your environment, like, you know, heavy metals, you know, insecticide, pesticides, because when they come into your system, it's easy, they have to be synthesized. And when they're synthesized, they have to do that through the liver. And when the liver gets overwhelmed and doesn't know what to do with it, basically, it's confused, has chaos, it stores things in, because it's planning for the future, this stores things in fat, blood, brain, and bone. And so, you know, when you look at that relation, like where does that, in, like that inflammation first start, you've got to take a look at those places. And you also have to take a look at the gut. Cause if you have a healthy gut, then it's processing your food correctly. It's not taking foods out of sequence and absorbing them sooner. Cause when it does, it creates an allergic response. I don't know anybody that has allergies that does not have some level of stomach issue and gut issue. So I always, when people tell me they have allergies, I always have my first question in my mouth is like, so are you sensitive to any foods, <laughs> you know, any seasonal type things, you know, stuff like that. So nice. there, it, it, there's, you know, there's a, a much larger component to, to that. And it's really not that hard. And, you know, cause you talked about something very specific where you're relating to like, you know, foods that you ate, like as a kid or that types, that type of thing. People tell me that their heredity is to, they have heart disease or they have, you know, they've, my mother had my gallbladder out, you know, that kind of thing. And the, th- the truth of the matter is, is that if you eat exactly how your parents ate, 
then you will have a lot of the signs and symptoms that they have in some of the same, you know, genetic type of diseases that they have. Because you can change your constitution, you can change how those genetics express themselves in the environment by improving your constitution. And the way to improve that constitution is by picking stellar foods to eat so that it fortifies your body and fortifies your mind, you know, and so that you function at a higher level than what your parents did. Because it's some of the, if, it, if the case is that is the family DNA disease, then everybody in the family would have it. But that's not true. Not everybody manifests that because people, when, you know, they, they make changes in their lifestyle than what they were, what they grew up with. Nice lifestyle changes. That's a big yeah. key. And mm -hmm. so what's interesting to me is listening to you kind of talk and share your expertise. It's like you're a doctor, you're certified in all these different things. And you've always kind of been the one to help patients at the end of the day. But now you have more of a focus on helping female executives and other leaders and influencers. And what sort of happened in your life and your mind that kind of steered you in that direction to focusing on this specific audience? Is there something that you've seen? Is there something that you're passionate about, which made you want to pursue this? Well, first off, I'm a female executive <laughs> and, you know, and I've been there and I walk the walk and talk the talk. And so I know that if even on my longest, hardest day at work, I still had the nutrition and I had all the key components in order for me to finish the day blasting at 150%. And the reason why that happened is because I ate very, very well, you know, and I did things like, you know, on my breaks at work, I would like lay down and I would power nap for 20 minutes and I would, I would do specific things to do that. Anytime I went off my diet regime and I ate the ratio of carbohydrates, the proteins, the fat were incorrect. I was dragging at the end of the day, but, it, but people used to say like, how do you do it? I mean, you're in here at seven 30 in the morning and you don't leave till seven o'clock at night. How do you do it? You know? And I just, I don't think about, I don't look at the clock. I work in Einstein's time. You know, I just look at, okay, I'm here. I'm available want to come and see me? It's a good time. <laughs> and I, you know, you know, just, I never said no to anybody in pain ever. And like when I had my active office, I never said if I was available, I just figured out how to make it work because I know how I would want to be treated if I was in that level of pain too. So, you know, you, you have to walk the walk and talk the talk. So looking at the female executives, what I find interesting is that a lot of females just don't take care of themselves. They're always doing for somebody else. They're never doing for themselves. So for me, all my children were my patients, you know, when I was working and, you know, but luckily at six o'clock, I got to go home, <laughs> and, you know, and I didn't have to go home and continue dealing with them. So, but it was important, you know, to, and when I'm looking at women, I see them, you know, sometimes they're, you know, get very blocked mentally about, you know, like even asking for help. Because they all say, I can't tell you how many women have ever said to me, oh, I love this program. This is so cool. But my husband needs it more than me. My kids need it more than me. My mom needs it. You know, they never take care of themselves. And a lot of times these women don't do anything until they're in crisis. And it drives me crazy that people let themselves get to the point of crisis before they want to do something. Because a lot of times it's too late then. I mean, I'll give you an, an example. I was at a woman's mindset retreat in 2019. And on the first day, there's 500 women there. 
and all in one place. And they're all entrepreneurs on some level or executives on some level. And these women got up and they were crying. You know, when they, we had these share sections, you know, and so when we got up, we like five people or six people or seven people, whatever there was time allowing for, we'd get up and share their experience. You know, I can't tell you, I started counting, which made me not go, not be on the retreat part, but more on like the, like the data dumper part goes up as I was counting how many women said they had cancer. They had to stop what they were doing and they became a burden, not only to themselves, but a burden to their family you know, which they never, ever want to do. That's the last thing women would want. We want to fortify. We want to like feed you. We want to make sure that you're comfortable. Like you are in my umbrella. If you are in my umbrella, I cover you for your whole life. And, you know, and so women, what happened is when they get sick, they had to suddenly rely on their children, on their husband and on other support systems because they never did the self-care themselves. They never took like, well, why, you know, like I might be thin, but it's just like, you know, I'm not sick. I, I'm, you know, I am strong. I'm a strong woman. Well, you're only as strong as your weakest link, but it was so prevalent and the percentage of like out of, you know, like 20 people who shared seven of them, which is almost 50%, had some kind of debilitating disease that stopped them in their tracks from their business, from their life, and from the people who they love. I thought, this is astounding. This is my group of people, you know, so some, but people are still even outside of that you know, and talking to like kind-hearted men, you know, it's just like people always think like, well, I feel healthy because they think it's how it's, a, it's how you feel about it, but it's a lot deeper than that. And you've got to dive deeper and it takes longer than like, you know, when you get the flu or if you get, you know, food poisoning and you throw up and that kind of stuff, you know, that's very short term. But as soon as you start feeling good, your mind's like having a baby. If you, if a woman remembered how much pain it's, it is to have a child, they would never have more than one. And even then, you know, they might have a consideration for it, you know? So, you know, it's just, but your brain tells you that lizard brain's going like, yeah, let's do this again. <laughs> you know, I want more children because you're looking to like, you know, to put, you know, roots in and, you know, and, and to be able to move on and have something to look back and integrate to. So it's, it's a lot bigger than that, you know, but I, it, I would really like to see women, you know, take better care of themselves so that they can do their day because women, you know, after we go home, I mean, we, when we work, you know, and it has been researched and statistically reported that women think more like men, quote unquote, when they're working. So when they go home, you got to turn into being the girl. You know, and a lot of times people have that transition time with COVID with nobody going to their office. There wasn't that transition time that happened in order for that to happen. So that there's like this big, you know, there's a big mindset, you know, that is around that, that makes it tough for women to be in that, those positions. And when they do, and they don't get that, like that self-care and they don't get like, you know, I've, I've got something going on, you know, and instead of asking their friend, you know, or their mother, they should ask somebody who has like some, you know, background in that. It's just like, you know, I'm getting this digestive stuff going on because you don't want to wake up three years later to find out you have some other issue with that, you know, whether it is, you know, an autoimmune response that now has boomed or some other type of like, you know, chronic illness or disease, which are all related back to inflammation. So it's so important to keep that gut healthy. 
Nice. And so you've mentioned a lot of great points there and pretty much that your health, whether it's your physical or mental affects the whole rest of your life and females, women are nurtured by nature, Mm -hmm. like usually. And I think that's kind of where you can come in and where you provide value because like you said they are always putting other people first before themselves until they get to that point where it's too late and you have all this experience you've kind of walked that path before so you are aware of key indicators that will influence them and their lives and their decisions in the long term and so you're able to identify those for them as well and then kind of help keep them on the right path steer them in the right direction so that in the beginning, like you're giving them the guidance so that in the long term, those positive habits and positive actions allow them to have momentum and the fulfillment, I guess, in their lives. Well, you know, to get the momentum, you know, there's a thing called the 2190 day rule. And the average person takes anywhere from 18 days to 245 or 265 days, like that's eight and a half months in order to take a habit that they want to become, you know, a, like an automatic, you know, you get up, you have 16 ounces of water. How many days does it take me to do that? You know, cause you're like, you're like, you know, you can have the bottle of water next to your bed. You can get up and walk right past it. Right. Mm-hmm. But actually like opening it up and drinking that 16 ounces of water when you first, because water is basic for all the five pillars of health, which are nutrition, exercise, proper sleep, um, positive mental attitude and a properly functioning nervous system, which is the biomechanics and posture. And it's essential for all those points. It's like, it is not, it's, it's not even negotiable. <laughs> you have to have it. And so when you're looking at, you know, those basics and putting the pieces of the puzzle together, if you got all the pieces of the puzzle, they can be reconstructed so that you can move forward, you know, faster and better. <laughs> you know, with tangible results. So you don't have to, you know, be like, you know, left behind or feeling like this is only happening to me. I'm, am I the only person who's depleted by 12 noon, (laughs) you know, and I really want to go home and take a nap. Or when I get home, I really can't stand my kids because I haven't had time to decompress, you know, and so to, and be able to like switch into like that 150% mom, you know, or the 150% working person busy you know professional whether it's male or female you know i asked a question to when i do market research and when i'm talking to men and you can answer this question too do you have kids yes i just had one two months ago. did you well you know when you think about this you know it's just like and you think about how lovely your wife is to support you in this endeavor you know and i asked female executives if they had kids and they said yes i asked them i go what do you feed your kids for dinner and, you know, and I, and you go, and you do think that out almost every day, you know, so women who were at the very high end delegated it. So women have a hard time delegating stuff because we want to do everything <laughs> and have our fingers in it. And then, you know, but that, you know, but the people who didn't delegate, they told me consecutively 245, three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm thinking, what do I, what, what's in the refrigerator? What do I need to buy on the way going home? So I can give my kids the best nutritious meal that I know how to do possible. And so I asked them the same question and they said it never occurred to them. Not one person said, oh yeah, at 345, 245, I thought about it. They thought about it while they were driving home. 
you know? And so why somebody's being torn between the level of work that they still have to produce for the day, they're also thinking about their next step in the day, you know, and because we women multitask naturally, we just like, it, it doesn't, and when you stop multitasking, I think that's when you start to create more internal chaos, you know, and with your mind, you've got to like keep moving. It's just, whatever it is, got to keep on moving. This, like, there's always the solution. There's always something that you can do mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and socially. There's always something. Nice. And you mentioned yeah. how long it takes to form a habit. And that really oh, yeah. stuck out to me because I'm currently reading the book, Power of Habit. And uh -huh. there's a lot of powerful concepts that I'm learning in there. But from your perspective, do you think it's more important to start creating good habits and trying to make those automatic or start by breaking bad habits or does it not matter i think if you put your focus on bad habits and your bad habits what you focus on is more of what you get and so you know and going back to the 21 90 day rule what they say is like to pick one habit you know that you want to change and to create into a you know like i want this so that is a non-event and then what they do is they tell you to do that one habit you know, make it mandatory every day. You're going to do that. If you're going to exercise, exercise at the same time, when you get up, brush your teeth, you know, use the bathroom, take a shower, have that 16 ounce glass of water for hydrating first, you know, and then, you know, you can go take, you know, do your exercise for walking, you know, and while you're walking, you can think about what you're grateful for. You multitask that. Then you can think about what I have to do that day and you can dictate it in your phone. And you can listen to your affirmations because affirmation will tell the lizard brain, which is the primitive brain to shut up and get off your shoulder, you know, so that you can focus on that habit. But, you know, changing the habits, like you do it 21 days. And then after you're successful for 21 days, then you do it for 90, you know, so that, you know, and I didn't mention before, but the average time between it was 66 days. So that's like 66 days is two months in a week, <laughs> approximately, you know? So you're thinking like, gosh, that's such a long time, you know, but we've had all these things that have happened to us from childhood that you hear, you know, that you hear or see or feel that kind of shut us down, that give us, you know, we hit a ceiling when we get to be too successful. Why is that? You know, as an example, you know, like I heard my parents argue about money, like whatever, whatever it was. And there always seemed like there wasn't enough, you know, like if you wanted to have the second helping of food, you know, my, my aunt, um, my aunt Sai had 14 kids. <laughs> and when you went to dinner at her house, you know, as a kid, cause we'd all play baseball together. We all played together. So when she fed you, if you wanted more, like whatever went past you never went past you twice. You know, there was like always enough for everybody and everybody was always conscious about that. Everybody had, it was portioned out sizes, but you did, no one said like, you know, you couldn't take more. And when you first, but it's just like, but those things never happened again. I mean, think about all the large families that aren't anymore. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's crazy. So, you know, and then you learn, you know, and it's like, you know, so what, what's the, like, when you talk about like habits, like if I had to tell somebody a good habit to do. You know, because one of the things that we are so, so deprived of in the society today is proper sleep and good sleep. So, you know, it's just like getting into the habit of having good sleep hygiene would be high on my priority for telling people besides hydrating because you have to hydrate for sleep anyway. But, you know, is to create that 
you know, perfect atmosphere. And then with you having just a new baby, you're probably not getting so much sleep, <laughs> you know, it's a lot worse for my girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's, you know, it's just like what you got to tell yourself, like, you know, it's like, I can go back to sleep. Cause a lot of times when we wake up, you know, we turn a light on. So if you change some of perhaps some of the lighting and didn't have so many electronics on around your bed, you wouldn't have the electromagnetic radiation from those electronic parts, like, you know, your cell phone, for instance, in, or the light, or if there is a wall outlet at the head of your bed, you know, there's like EMF, like e electromagnetic frequency busters that go into those plugs that help disperse that energy. So it's not like streaming into your brain while you're sleeping, but, you know, like, like doing those things for sleep, you know, it's just like, if you, my rule is, is that if you got something on your mind and you can't sleep, ask yourself the question, is there anything I can do about it right now, here, right now, this moment? And if the answer is yes, get up and do it. Mm -hmm. And then when you're done doing whatever you have to do, you hit, go back to bed and you give yourself permission to go to sleep. And you tell yourself the affirmation is I'm going to sleep and I'm going to wake up when I normally wake up and I'm going to feel great. Because as soon as you tell yourself you're going to wake up, you're going to feel like crap, you'll automatically wake up and you won't feel good. But, you know, telling yourself that, you know, like that, that mindset of like, I'm going to go to sleep and I'm going to be very healthy and I'm going to be very happy when I wake up, you know, because hitting the ground running on a positive note is so much better than hitting the ground running on a negative note. This seems like the day lasts so much longer if you don't hit that positive note. First thing. Mm, okay. Yeah. But, just listening to you talk and kind of share all your expertise, like I definitely see the value of what you focus on and how your approach to helping a specific market mm -hmm. can be super helpful. But I want to give you an opportunity to talk about the course you created, the upcoming okay. course and kind of Thank um, you. what people can expect in that and what's your goal that you're looking to accomplish with this, who you're looking to help. Well, I'm looking to help busy professionals, you know, and to get more of their day so that, you know, they can make better decisions. They're stronger. They have more balance. And I help them by um, focusing on, you know, super nutrition and other wellness initiatives. So the name of the course is Be Stronger Than Medicine because you have to, your body has an innate intelligence that helps you heal. You don't always have that you know, you know, the, the pill in the bottle, because there's no magic pill. And, you know, and, and, and also it's like, if you're paying attention while you're going along, you know, to those five pillars of health, to that nutrition, to the exercise, to the proper sleep and proper mental attitude, and also the structure function component and posture, then you're way ahead of the game just doing those five things. So what I teach people, because we have a tendency always to put the cart before the horse, especially in this day and time, they want that magic bill and it doesn't exist. You want to keep the cart, you know, in front of the horse, excuse me, you want to keep the horse in front of the cart. I said that backwards. Oh my gosh. And so that, you know, you let the, the horse do its job, you know, to pull it. So if you've got those pieces of the puzzle together, then, you know, you're not jumping the gun and you're thinking things out because so many, you know, if, if you ever pick up a Merck's manual, you, you can see so many like same symptoms for a lot of different disease processes. The idea is to identify what, 
your pattern is. So if you know how your organ systems are working, which you can find out in the book, Why You're Sick, Fat, and Tired, you can bring that knowledge with you to the course of Be Stronger Than Medicine, which teaches you, gets you back to basics, teaches you to keep that horse in front of the cart, you know, and gives you the foundational information that you need to be very happy, very healthy, very vibrant, and very strong. Awesome. That sounds super valuable. And we've been covering a lot of high level topics coming up towards the end of the interview, but I have one more question, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's what sort of advice would you have for these busy professionals who kind of know that they haven't quite reached their full maximum potential and how can they go about addressing that? Well, a lot of times we think that, you know, if you're going to work smarter, you know, they say work smarter, don't work harder, right? You know, I say work simpler <laughs> and don't work harder <laughs> because simpler doesn't mean there's, there's other tools out there that help you do the same thing, you know, and get you to the same destination without too many red lights on the way going, you know, and that, that would be ideal. And, but you have to identify what your foundational base is and you have to know where your cracks are so that you can fix them, you know, and put them in a proper perspective in a proper place. And so that that's really important, you know, for that, for that aspect, the people who want to really get ahead have got to really, you know, manage their time and their energy, and they have to have complete control over their thoughts. So if people who don't have complete control over their thoughts can undo anything that you do to fix your diet and can undo anything that you do to become more structurally sound. You know, it will definitely affect that. We all know that when we've been upset and we ate and you're thinking, why did I eat when I was that upset? You know, cause you're thinking like, oh, I guess I eat at seven o'clock at night, <laughs> you know? So whatever the reason is, but we have to pay attention to like what intrinsically, you know, what's the right thing to do for myself. So if I want to, you know, get back in the game of, you know, being a chiropractor in an office and seeing patients, then I need, there's certain things that make that a successful event, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and socially. And I have to be willing to do whatever it takes to get there. So if you're doing that, but the most important thing you know, when I said before, when people would ask me, how do you do it, Dr. Pat, you're in at 730, leave at 730, like seven o'clock at night, seven, seven thirty, sometimes later. But generally speaking, those were the hours that I was in my office, you know, and it's just like, I ate incredibly well. And I took super great care of my time, my space and my energy. If I had a lot of negative people around me, I just kept on pushing them aside and, you know, kind of freezing their energy so that I wasn't affected by that. And so, you know, when I worked, you know, kind of jokingly, I always say, I never talked to my mother when I was working. If she called up, I just said, tell her, I'll call her back when I'm done working today, you know, unless, you know, and, you know, if it's, if it's something, you know, if it's something that I can do something about, then, you know, I could, you know, I'll talk to her at lunchtime, but if it wasn't anything that I could do, and I have that practice with almost any situation, if there's something I can do, then I'm all for it. I'm 150% in, you know, I'm your best friend. I've got your back, you know, but if there's something I can't do, I'll, I'll say, I can't do that. And I will, you know, put that, I will delegate that to the right person who has, who handles those kind of things better than I do. Awesome. 
I think that's a perfect piece of advice. Yeah. Great way to kind of end the main segment of the podcast. We've been covering a lot of high level, high value topics, mm-hmm. but I like to end each episode on a little lighter exercise with something I call the rapid fire round. So I'm just going to ask you a set of questions right. and you give me <laughs> whatever answer you come up with. All right, go ahead. I'm so holding question, on. <laughs> <laughs> question number one, what is your favorite book of all time? Oh, my favorite book of all time is Robert, or no, it's Ryan Levesque's book, Ask. Mm, okay. Number two, who is the most influential person in your life or career? Uh, they're not alive anymore, <laughs> but they it was my um, mentor and also very best friend. His name was Rip Coglin. He was the CEO of an import-export business. He was my next door neighbor. And he, and he made logic and he made a lot, many things in my life possible. Awesome. May you rest in peace. Mm-hmm, um, absolutely. Number, number three, what is one goal you want to accomplish this year? I would like to be totally virtual, mm, okay. you know, and, mm. and working with people totally virtually and either in, you know, one-to-one or in uh, a group format. You know, that's why I'm doing that. That's why um, I'm offering the course in September, which will lead into a larger group and in a diver deep than what we're doing, going to be doing just in September. Awesome. And then last but not least, what is one piece of advice you would give to your 20 year old self? (laughs) Well, you know, let me, you know, that I have a list on that one, but, (laughs) um, you know, but I would tell myself, you know, tell myself is that, you know, I, there's a couple of times that I've missed real estate opportunities, you know, and that, you know, I didn't uh, grab because of I was getting divorced, you know, and, and told not to by an attorney. Don't always listen to attorney's advice. <laughs> you know, get a second opinion because both times I've done that, you know, that has not been, that has not worked out uh, in the best, you know, fashion for me in the long run. You know, yeah. and always, the, and the other thing is, is that, you know, remember, don't forget your health. Don't forget your health, get second opinions. I like it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, that kind of brings us towards the conclusion of this episode. Dr. Pat, I just want to thank you again for jumping on and sharing um, your story, your journey, and the impact that you're trying to have, not even just in the healthcare space, but on people's lives and the lives of people that have a direct influence and impact on other people. So mm-hmm. just want to thank you well, again. Thank you very much. You know, I love to see people thrive, you know, and, you know, a lot of times my sessions with people that are are like, you know, 45, 50 minute hours, like hour sessions end up being an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and a half, because I'm not going to let somebody hang, you know, it's just like, well, I go, hold on to that thought for another week. You know, it's just like, I don't do that. You know, I want it to have a, you know, completion. And I always want to end conversations on a high note you know, too. I think it's, it's important in, in order to go through that faster, better, you know, and moving forward type thing too, you know, so I'll give you uh, the link for the, to the show notes for September, you know, not show notes, but for the course in September, you know, so that we have them and we can share them. With yeah, your and I'll be sure to put them in the show notes in the resources section. But with that being said, that ends today's episode. Catch you guys on the next one. <laughs>